This is Dune Talk, a DuneNewsNet.com production. Join us now for the latest Dune news, reactions, and lively discussions. Hey everyone, we're back to bring you this week's episode of Dune Talk. That's right, it's the official show of DuneNewsNet.com, where we cover everything Dune, including breaking news on the movies, TV series, books, comics, games, and more. We're living in July 2022, and Europe has got it going on right now. Today, we're going to discuss the start of filming for Dune Part 2 in Italy, as well as what's coming next in terms of production on a second movie. Plus, we're going to do a rundown of a few other major updates in the Dune universe, including books and gaming news. This is Marcus speaking, and I'm excited to talk about the recent news with all of the Dune Talk crew. Hey, everybody. It's Garen, uh, Dune Companion. Really excited to dig into the latest news with these guys, so um, let's get to it. Yes, uh, this is Giant Sobchak here again uh, with the crew, and I'm excited to get into some details. Like It's finally happening. Dune Part 2 is actually rolling cameras and some fun details to dig into as uh, we move forward. Hey, everyone. Simon here, and like the boys said, yep, it is officially Dune Part 2. We can say we are officially in production. So exciting time to live in for Dune fans and movie fans just in general. Awesome. Let's start with movie news. Dune movie news. So while those of us in the United States were enjoying a long 4th of July weekend, Denis Villeneuve and the crew of Dune Part 2 were busy setting up shop at the Brion tomb in San Vito di Atavale. As we discussed in the last show, it's a beautiful landmark in the Veneto region of Italy, designed by Carlo Scarpa, this uh, L-shaped sanctuary consisting of an iconic arcosolium over the burial grounds of the Brion family a small chapel, and a Zen garden. So on July 4th itself, uh, we started getting some photos of the area, uh, servicing online, even some stunning aerial views, uh, offering a distant glimpse of the activities within and around the set. And um, yeah, the Brion Tomb, of course, it was closed off to the public, um, and it was uh, scheduled to remain closed until July 10th. Uh, but one or two photos did service from inside. Biggest reveal was, however, when we saw Florence Pugh uh, cited leaving the area on July 6th. So a uh, shout out to Julia at uh, Bishop's Anatomy on Twitter for photographing uh, the actress. Uh, Johnny, let's start with you today. What were your biggest takeaways from this start of production? Yeah, shout out to Julia, because that was very cool to see. <laughs> that was really the only visual confirmation we got um, of, a, of a cast member actually being there. So uh, the details, it was interesting because we found out that this was even a possibility that they would be filming there. And then very quickly, it just snowballed. Clearly, they, this was something they wanted to do in the summer, um, and, you know, before going to the desert, probably hopefully in the fall. And uh, I, again, we already talked last time, we really liked the look of it. It fits in with the Dune universe. And knowing that it looked like it was a pretty big contingent of the production. I mean, this was not just a skeleton crew or something like that. I mean, this was a lot of trailers, a lot of vehicles. And uh, so a lot of uh, cast and crew, it seems like, at least crew. And we know Pew was there. She was filming, presumably. And uh, she, I, no I noticed her when in that photograph, her, her septum piercing that she usually has in was out. So she must, I would presume she was probably actually in front of the camera for that. And uh, she had her hair kind of slicked back almost. And the, her look just in that very brief, unofficial glimpse looked like your ear That's kind of exactly what you would imagine. Is this some stuff they're doing on location and then they're going to maybe do some more like on a set in the studio um, and kind of like meld them together? Is there going to be uh, obviously, obviously they could do visual effects to, you know, create things in and around 
uh, the location. So a lot of variables still, but it was nice to get even some inside kind of sneaky photos and, and to actually know that one of the principal cast members was there as well as cool. Um, again, maybe this is a very brief scene or just kind of uh, almost maybe part of like a montage or something like maybe this is how the film opens similar to part one. Um, so we can, there's a lot of speculation, but it, it is very fun and exciting just to know that things are happening. I think people were kind of speculating just based on aerial photos and, and also uh, what Julia mentioned in her tweets. She said she saw Denis Villeneuve. Um, she didn't get a photo, but I would imagine if she was obviously, if Florence Pugh was filming, he would have been there directing her. And then Greg Frazier, most likely, and, and maybe some of the others like uh, Patrice Vermette uh, may have been there as well to assist with filming. So um, so far, so good. I, it seems like they're done. Uh, they got what they needed uh, with that in just a few days. And I suspect we probably won't hear or see anything else um, official or otherwise until when filming is supposed to start, I believe, on the 21st uh, next week. So stay tuned. <laughs> yeah, I think it's really cool that we got that shot. And thank you, Julia, for posting that. Um, and who knows, it could have just been a quick meet and greet with Denis, be on the set. Hey, officially meeting each other because a lot of times a lot of these actors and directors especially nowadays meet over zoom and then hey i'm going to be in italy at the same time florence was also there for a fashion show that we'll talk about later so maybe it was just a quick little i hate using the word drive-by but kind of <laughs> like hey honored to meet you i can't wait to work on this project let me show you a couple of sets uh and it does scream you know this is the emperor's home world it is Catan for sure uh i i love the set and you know i've been watching other videos and people are talking how it very much also looks kind of like um caladan so it could be a flashback to another scene only time will tell and you know what's amazing about movies and we've talked about this and johnny just briefly mentioned that sometimes you can get a shot of one like 20 seconds of something and then the rest was shot on a studio in london or Australia. Interesting that we didn't see Denis, but I get that, you know, Pew was the main star this week. Uh, and I can't wait until we start seeing Xiaomi and, you know, Zendaya, Josh Brolin, everyone really coming back for their roles. It's funny because I saw uh, Thor Love and Thunder this weekend. And when I saw Batista, I was like, you're not Brax <laughs> anymore. You're in Dune. You're not doing Marvel movies anymore. So good time all around. You know, you guys, my thought is, is how much Denis used practical sets in part one. And, and I, I like that. And I, I understand he likes that too, because it, it gives the actors a sense of presence and context to, to where they are. And it actually helps them in their ability to act. So the fact that, you know, this was shot outdoors uh, in, in an actual existing um, monument that, that I guess was built in like the early 70s or something, I think there's a purpose here that, that I'd like to believe is very significant. Um, that, that for some reason there needed to be natural light, there needed to be a practical set uh, with Florence Pugh there as, as Princess Irulan. I'd like to believe this was really significant um, and that this will actually be uh, a scene that isn't just you know one second in some montage somewhere but that this could actually be, uh, I think you were saying, Johnny, possibly an opening or, or something significant because I, I've heard it said that, that uh, and maybe Denise said this, but part two is, is going to focus so much more on the Fremen, you know, on, on the Fremen culture and, and who they are and, and, and obviously, you know, the, the epic battles. 
but you're also because we didn't get introduced to uh, to the emperor in part one other than being mentioned now there's going to be a real focus on him so i'd like to believe that this is kaitane that's my theory and and that i think this is really establishing the real a real sense of this planet um you know the environment uh, the weather the feel because Denis is so masterful at, at creating these uh these environments these worlds and how they how they feel and 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 really giving you a sense of being there so so i i really am kind of excited about you know what this what this set what part this is going to play and i also would like to believe you know that christopher walken was here uh, because i can envision some interaction between Irulan and Shaddam and and why not have that also establish you know what what the the planet Kaitane is and what it feels like as you're introducing these two name, main characters that are now going to be really significant in the story so um, gosh what a beautiful place and you know we can always come back to this set it's not like this is the only time that <laughs> book so who yeah. knows maybe you know, in six months, we'll be like, oh, wait, they went back to Italy to shoot over there. A lot of movies are not shot in the order that you see the scenes. So who knows? This could be in the middle. This could be at the very end. You know, I kind of want them not to show the emperor until later on in the movie. I want them to build that tension very much like I've mentioned once before. What's amazing, like in Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid is you hear about Bolivia, Bolivia, Bolivia. And at the very end, you see Bolivia. So I'm not saying save the emperor for like the last 20, 30 minutes of the movie, but build up the emperor even more. Like that when Walken shows up on screen, that presence is there and you're like, oh, that's who the emperor is like, kind of like, okay, now I know this is going to get serious. Yeah, so uh, just chiming in because Simon did mention this earlier on about Florence Pugh. And it is, it is worth mentioning that because when we were talking about casting, like who are they going to go for for these roles? And even the emperor, I think, was something where you're like, you got to get a big name. You got to get someone that really can can draw people in. Um, and as you mentioned, Florence Pugh is in uh, in Italy this week in Rome as well for uh, its fashion week. And so she was at a big fashion show and she kind of blew up the Internet with wearing this big pink, like poofy, almost like a princess, um, like sheer gown. Um, and so that got a lot of people talking on Instagram and Twitter. And, and so that was pretty interesting. I mean, millions of like impressions and retweets and likes and things like that. And that just, I thought that was really cool just to see, because people had been talking about her just in, in recent days or weeks before, because of, of about Dune and Dune was coming up and starting to film, et cetera. Um, and some other news we'll get to, but just her presence at Fashion Week in Italy, where they just so happen to also be filming. Um, I just thought that was like a cool kind of, uh, what's what serendipity about how those things just kind of enforce and kind of uh, emphasize one another and then also just thinking about because uh we're talking about just people's names being out there a lot right now i feel like every day i get on twitter and austin butler is, is trending on twitter um especially like the ladies especially i cannot get enough of this guy from what i've seen on like youtube and facebook uh, like comments and, and things like that, talking about his voice, especially where he still has like this Elvis kind of drawl to it. Um, so it's uh, it's pretty interesting to see, again, as filming is beginning to ramp up and these names are kind of growing in stature and people are talking about the Oscars and sh talking about clips from the movie. Um, I just think that it's uh, it's been pretty, pretty cool to see that. And, and who knows, hopefully by next episode, they are going to have official cameras rolling. Maybe we'll get some 
images or maybe just a, a tease or something, that would be nice. Um, but I'm, I'm really looking forward and I'm liking, I think it's all again, kind of this perfect storm of uh, these new cast members along with the old ones, of course, Chalamet and Zendaya. Those four, I think in particular, are just gonna be so critical and they're very much gonna be pushed like to the forefront, I think is like the face, um, and especially in the marketing for part two. So um, that's just really cool. And, and I'm very glad to see uh, just taking off. It's all, it's all coming together, as they say. You know, what's funny is my boss the other day was like, you know, they're going to start filming part two soon, right? I'm sure we're going to get a picture of Faye with like the knife. And he's like, I think he's going to have the hair. I was like, Keith, what do you think he's going to have? But we both agree he might just have like a crazy mohawk. That would be kind of cool. <laughs> I'd give him like that 70s, like leather punk look. I'm I'm cool with that. You know, I keep it, keep like a little bit of sting in there, but also make them just really awesome looking. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure we'll get at least like one production still or something being like now officially, you know, in production. I, I saw Elvis last week with my wife and Austin Butler killed it. <laughs> I could not believe his performance in that film. It, it, he, was, he was Elvis through and through and I never stopped believing it the whole, the whole two and a half hours or however long it was. And, and just the, the way he was able to emotionally express, express himself and re-embody this, this person that I thought I already knew. So I, I just am so excited about the fact that now we're introducing these characters that are only going to even raise the intensity and, and the talent of, of part two of Dune. I just, I could not be more enthusiastic about it. I mean, it's one thing to add, you know, uh, the Emperor and add Irulan and add Fade and, you know, they, they, they add to, they, they fill the spot, they, they make the character work. It's another thing to bring people in who are gonna raise these characters to a new level, just like we experienced in part one. So mm -hmm. anyway, I just, wanted to, I just wanted to add my enthusiasm about that. Well, let me just throw some more enthusiasm in there now that I'm really thinking about it. Sorry, Marcus, but <laughs> I'm just thinking, like, I'm thinking back, I mean, two and a half years ago now, when that first Vanity Fair piece came out, and we got our first looks, really, at, like, almost all the main characters. And, you know, the Chalamet stand pages were going crazy, and the Zendaya ones, and Oscar Isaac was popping off. And I'm just thinking about now, you know, Chalamet's even bigger, Zendaya's even bigger, and now you're going to have also throw in Florence Pugh fans who I'm just thinking about when the first images or the first reveals come out. I mean, those pictures are going to be going crazy and popping off. Austin Butler now, again, everyone's talking about him and excited about him um, from Elvis and, and what he's going to do next. And, and Christopher Walken, again, who's a legend and a lot of people, especially older folks and fans would even, you know, admire more, obviously. Um, so I think just, and I can't wait. That's one thing I just keep thinking about, like, and Simon was just talking about like, what are they going to do with the, the designs, or like the looks for these characters? Um, you know, I, I feel like it's so difficult to try and like imagine. And we're, you know, I we're not even thinking about like Leia Seydoux who has also been announced um, and is representing a totally different house. So um, I think there's gonna be some really, really cool stuff. And I was thinking about this too, you know, they won six Oscars, obviously um, for some, some incredible work that they did on screen. And I'm just thinking, you know, costume design was one that like they didn't win makeup and hair styling was one that they didn't win i feel like they're going to come back around this time and like they're really i mean they're just going to up the ante man this is going to be a bigger better potentially movie and so i'm just really curious to see with these these particular this new group of uh of performers like what that's going to bring both on screen as, as we're talking about but also 
on social media and, and uh, in, you know, the pieces they do in things like Vanity Fair or Empire and things like that. Um, it's just, it's just really exciting. And it is interesting just thinking like right around the corner when they're supposed to be starting official filming, like in Budapest, potentially, like, could we get, as Simon was saying, like a one little official still like teaser? Cause I remember back in 2019, the, it wasn't anything like super official or like too showy, but Greg Frazier posted the, the clapperboard um, of Dune. And he was just talking about like what a great day it was. And it was just ever so slight tease. Um, but now that it's like a known entity and you do have these bigger names involved, I, I think they would be, and Legendary has done a good job so far. I think they would be missing like an opportunity to just get a little bit of buzz uh, around this while these other names are kind of hot right now. Um, just do some sort of tease with Chalamet or maybe Zendaya or, or the set or something that I think would be really cool and, and get people just, you know, jazzed about it. I mean, there's, there is more news as well. I'm sure Marcus, we're going to get to um, that. A lot, again, a lot of people were talking about it and then sharing their excitement and like anticipation. And to close the point about uh, filming in, in Italy, it's, it's worth noting that um, Beyond Tomb was, was not the only location that they were looking at. They were also looking at the Boboli Gardens in, in Florence. And if you've seen photos of those locations, we'll, we'll probably put one up on screen. That clearly looks like it's like gardens that would be fit for a royal court. So that that further reinforces the, the idea that we we are talking about Kaitane. Of course, we, we can't say for sure, but this certainly looks like, like they're looking for that royal feeling, like uh, lush lush gardens. Uh, I, I pretty much imagine like Princess Irlan, you know, whether it is a scene with the emperor or just a scene with, with her, like walking over the, the bridge and over the garden and maybe interacting with uh, uh, with one of the other members of the court, or or, or maybe maybe it could be that there uh, she's interacting with with Lady Margot, and they they play it from from that angle. Uh, there's there's a lot of options, but it does seem to point um, point to Catane. And yeah, it's it's true. It, it could be possible that you know, like six months later, one year later, we, we hear them re return uh, to Italy for additional shooting. But based on what what I've seen of Villeneuve, I, I expect that he pretty much planned this really efficiently. That you know, because they had to do all the coordination, get all, all the setup there. Uh, I, I think that they probably got most of what, what they need and there was filming and it, it sounds like, uh, yeah, indeed Flores Pugh was um, was involved with that. So I've, yeah, re really excited to see what, what, what that turns up. But I can I can imagine this, this being like a short but significant scene as, as we were mentioning. I just came up with this crazy notion. Hear me out, guys. What if Florence, you know, Erlon is just writing in a journal and then someone comes up to her as she's walking away we see her journal closing obviously it's not uh, the journal that she's writing about paul because she hasn't met paul at this point but still you can kind of see her starting to journal that'd be kind of, of cool. you know i don't know also i have a great idea that how they can market all these characters they can make like little trading cards with each the individual houses and give you like little facts about them and hand them out at movie theaters, like a good six months before. Warner Brothers, I'm available. Call me. <laughs> you know, I, I wanted to mention one other thing about the uh, the, the Brian tomb. Um, it's it's really interesting that that's done in the brutalist style uh, of the of the what late fifties, sixties, whatever that time frame was, and that that's that's what uh, Eric Keen really kind of looks like. It's it's done in that brutalist design style and I find it really fascinating that you know uh, this scene with with Florence Pugh I think we're pretty pretty spot on that it's it's Kaitane but isn't that interesting that you've also got this mirror of this brutalist style 
on Arrakis, you know, the Arakeen city, and then also wherever uh, Florence is on Kaitane, if that theory is correct. So again, that does, that does fit, you know, uh, Patrice Vermette would be able to explain it all to us, how it all interconnects, right? But I like the fact that we're seeing some of these themes, some of these recurring themes in the design. So there's this cohesive feel uh, across both films. So it's really fun. We're, we're kind of getting a lot with just a few photos, you guys. It's, it's kind of fun. And of course, there is that connection right between, between House Crino and House Atreides, because uh, Duke Leto, he was a distant cousin himself to, to Emperor uh, Shaddam. So th there's likely some connection in terms of the, the architecture and the styles between these, these royal families who have, have been you know, connected for centuries. This is only one little still. Imagine when we get actual stills and like production <laughs> art. Boy, we're going to have a lot to talk about. <laughs> Do our podcast. And there was uh, one other um, significant piece of news that came out uh, just before this, after we released our, our last show, uh, which is, of course, uh, Dune Part 2 was originally set to uh, be released in theaters on October 20, 2023. And that was moved exactly four weeks back to November 17, 2023. So again, not a big change. I don't think it's significant anything that we have to be uh, worried about, but it's just, um, yeah, the, the studios rearranging their schedule, looking at opportunities. And of course, that's the the week before Thanksgiving. So it's a good good way for Dune to get visibility in a, in a peak season. Uh, so John, in terms of that, that date change, like, do you think that means anything at all in terms of like what festivals Dune might appear at or any other like uh, production related uh, topics? It, it's not totally clear because we, well, we don't know why it was pushed back. Um, we don't know if it was out of necessity or just as a strategic choice. Um, and when I say that, I mean, and we knew that things were getting kind of, you know, they were going to film, start filming like late summer and then maybe more so in the fall. I mean, that's obviously pushing right up against the, the October timeframe of that. Usually with these big budget movies, you want a solid like 12 months or so of just from ending of shooting to when it's released, because that's a lot of VFX and editing and things like that, the scoring and, and whatnot. Um, so I knew that was pretty tight. So I, I thought that they could push it back, but I still was kind of surprised when it did come out. Um, my expectation is that it may be out of necessity and maybe it wasn't something that they ideally wanted to do. Um, that weekend that they had in October has done pretty well. Like in the past, obviously we saw Dune Part 1 did a decent, decent job with that one. But I do think that money-wise, this could be the better play because as you mentioned, it, it's that pre-Thanksgiving um, in the U.S. Uh, holiday corridor. And this is where they, um, Warner Brothers in particular, has put out like half of the Harry Potter movies, for example. I think half of them were like in the summer and then the other half were all, all November, this Thanksgiving time period, including the first two movies. So that was where they turned to when they were just trying to get the, that franchise off the ground and, and get some get some good uh, box office going. And so I think that's a good sign. It was also, as far as like awards placement, you know, I referenced on Twitter that Creed, you know, the Rocky kind of spinoff reboot came out a few years ago, did well. Obviously there's a third Creed movie that's coming out in the next year or so. Um, it also got nominated for like an Oscar. And then King Richard last year came out around the same time on the same weekend and was up for best picture and, and multiple other awards. So that I think is still fine for awards and actually pushing it later into the season keeps it more relevant or like more in the conversation as far as those things go. Um, talking about the festival, that's where the necessity thing comes into play the most because as we all know, Dune premiered at Venice Film Festival. That was a really cool experience um, as far as the premiere and all the photos we got out of it and all the promotion and, and excitement. 
Um, I don't think they need a festival this time around because part one, it's like, it's part one. Like we need this thing to hit and we need people to be talking about it. We need people to realize that this is a prestige film and that it should be in the awards conversation. Um, it's already grossed over 400 million, done really well with home sales. It won six Oscars, had 10 nominations. Like they don't need to prove anything to anyone at this point. The, the first movie speaks for itself. So it's not a requirement to be at a festival. I feel, still think it would be fun, obviously, and cool to see that happen. Um, but if it, if it doesn't, I wouldn't be surprised because if it's, okay, we're really pushing like the border and we really need, to need, we need this month to get the movie done in time, then obviously it's, it's not going to be done in early September when Venice Film Festival is going on. Um, or it could be a rough, you know, it might be rougher than it will be uh, during the final release. So um, not, not a bad thing by any means. And actually, I think it could be a good thing in some regards, specifically box office, but it's, it's still kind of un unclear as to like why or what ultimately is the effect going to be. Because I think people were just assuming, oh, it'll be at Venice again, like part two, because it's in that same release window. But yeah, it's kind of that expectation, I would say, should not be applied in the same way uh, this time around. And the other interesting point is that November 17th is always also where the Hunger Games prequel is going to be re-releasing. So, you know, they, they might change that as we saw last year, like, you know, uh, movies move into one slot, another movie moves out. But that, that would be an interesting uh, competition on that first weekend. That was what I was thinking. I was like, what big movies coming out that weekend that Dune 2 was supposed to come out or like in that little two weeks gap? Like, is there... I don't think there's any Marvel projects that are due around that time to push it back. But once again, it is still very close to that end of the year Oscar buzz, like you guys were saying. So hopefully, and I trust Warner Brothers knows what they're doing, but I wonder if they might have some insight of something that's coming out. That's why, you know, maybe six months down the line or after San Diego Comic-Con will be like, oh, that's why they pushed it back because this comes out around that time. So I guess the only time will tell, kind of sad. I wish we had Dune 2 part two uh, sooner. I just want Dune and I want Stranger Things season five and I'll be a happy man. I think they're smart to do this because, you know, last year it really had a long run, part one. It, it really sustained itself uh, quite a few weeks you would know exactly Johnny but it, 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 it I was really excited about how long it it sustained itself and so to have it go right before Thanksgiving I mean who doesn't go see a movie during Thanksgiving right and then and then during the weeks going into the the Christmas holiday end of the year holidays um, you know that's when I'll be going to see it three or four times so probably a number of other people will be doing the same thing I think they're really smart on a number of fronts uh, to move it more toward that prime season end of the year. Dune has the IMAX screens <laughs> like locked down because they are going to be filming using those again as Villeneuve already confirmed. Um, so that, that'll get precedent. And then also you have to think about like Dolby, 3D, other things that uh, maybe implemented the premium formats. Uh, if Hunger Games, if Lionsgate doesn't have access to those like right away or in the you know following weeks i mean that could really cut into their uh potential gross um so and that this film just like dune is getting started to film soon um obviously it's starting after uh dune but it doesn't seem like it's gonna have as many effects i would suspect but um i think if you're trying to make it a big blockbuster event and you're rekindling this franchise i don't really see why it would be a good idea to to release the same exact day as dune part two maybe move it up a week or back week or a month or 
whatever they're going to end up doing. But I, I really don't think it's going to stick around. So I do think um, Dune will be fine as far as like kind of having that weekend to itself. Um, the other thing I was going to mention is a lot of people have not been talking about this because it's kind of, I think it's low key and like it's not an announced movie. But I think earlier in November, like the first weekend or maybe the second weekend prior to Dune coming out, is uh, the MCU, I think, has a week, one of those dates picked out. Um, so just thinking about, and I think a lot of people think it's going to be Blade potentially, since that's supposed to be filming uh, in the next few months. But thinking about it from the perspective, like if Dune was coming out and then a, a week or two later, an MCU movie was coming out, it could potentially cut off its legs in a way um, and could take away premium formats, things like that. Where it's coming out now uh, in late November, especially if Hunger Games is not in the equation or moves at all, it's going to have, it, no, there's nothing big coming after it in almost a month or so as of now, or it could be three or four weeks um, where it's just going to have a pretty, pretty good free run of it rather than something big coming up right after a week or two after. Um, so I think that could be another factor as well, just making sure it extends those legs, not only in the Thanksgiving section, but into December and like through Christmas potentially. Um, so I think that's also like something to think about. And it'll be interesting to see again, Maybe they, maybe this won't be the last time they change it. Maybe things will shift around or like these, like I said, these other movies will be announced like Simon said, or shifted around and get official dates. You know, it's interesting. I totally forgot about that Hunger Game, I guess, prequel, right? And now it makes me go, oh, that's why they're repackaging those 4Ks and like <laughs> Blu-rays to get Hunger Game people excited again about that. Uh, also, if we're getting Dune closer to Halloween, can we get some Halloween costumes this time around? <laughs> like, that's something, you know, marketing would maybe be interested in creating. So I'm not saying that's why they're pushing it back so far, but just saying, you can make some cool Fremen suits. The Duneverse. Books, comics, games, collectibles, and more. So a first expanded news is that we got the view of two new covers uh, for, for Dune Messiah and Children of Dune, the, the second and third books in the Dune Saga, original saga by Frank, Frank Herbert. So they're getting new uh, deluxe edition hardcovers. So if you had um, seen the deluxe edition of Dune, the original novel that, uh, that was released, um, uh, there you go, in 2019, you pretty much know what to expect here. So hardcover, uh, interior uh, art, uh, stained uh, page ed edges. So Children of, D of Dune and Dune Messiah are getting that same treatment. And the three books are also going to be available in a, in a box set on um, uh, April 4th, 2023. So that's, uh, that's coming out. It's available for, for pre-order. We've, we've posted an article on the website if you want to check out the links. Uh, so Simon, is, uh, are you planning to get uh, the, the two new books or go for the, the box? <laughs> So I'm not going to go for the box because I already have the first one. Uh, can I just say how beautiful and hunting, like scary, kind of weird, creepy vibes, especially if you know what happens in those books, especially, I don't know which one's more creepy, children or Messiah. Like I said, if you know what happens in those books, they're perfect. Uh, I'm going to pre-order the two other ones. I, I do collect hardcovers and like paperback of Dune, the first one in any format. And I told myself originally, I'm not going to do the other six main books by Frank. And I guess I'm going to break that tradition now. But yeah, they're just beautiful. I love 
that we're finally getting those. And once again, April is far off to October, but it starts getting the word out. Then, you know, they'll probably be on the shelves for a while. I'm sure they're going to sell well, but when Prime Day hits next year and other stuff, also great holiday gifts, people might be like, oh, Dune Messiah, I guess this is what comes next, or Children of Dune. So I think it's a great marketing plan slowly starting to get the buzz around Dune again. And maybe, you know, we'll get a different 4K release of the movie, a director's cut, I doubt it, but still it's getting the word out again. Dune, Dune, early in the year, you know, as the movie will start, probably finish production. So yeah, I'm definitely picking up the two other ones. The box is really nice. If I didn't have that first book, I would totally <laughs> get the box. This is all connected to lead into uh, a third movie. Um, mm. I mean, I'm so confident that part two <laughs> is going to be just off the charts uh, of an experience. Uh, and and Denis has been very clear about about his uh, his desire to do the what what I think he actually termed a, a trilogy or he used a term like that mm. to be able to kind of go through the whole character arc of Paul Atreides, right? So. Um, I really think, you know, the excitement around the movie coming out, you know, in November of next year, and then getting people, you know, feeding that excitement, helping people, because I'm surprised at how many people, you know, maybe they've, they've seen the movie, they thought it was awesome, never read the books, or didn't even know there was a series. So you got, you got to keep introducing to the masses that there is more to this story. And, and so to have these uh, yeah, I, I love your your words, Simon. They're very haunting, just with the, the eyes and everything, and the, and the designs of these book covers. So I really think there's sort of a grand plan in set in motion here uh, to help us get to a, a movie, a third movie, which I just think would be phenomenal. I was so happy the other day. I was at Barnes and Noble, and the guy behind me had uh, Messiah and children in his hand. And I'm like, have you read them? Like, I, I started like totally spazzing out. <laughs> no, I'm like, oh, you don't know what you're getting yourself into. And I'm not saying that in a bad way, people. If you haven't read them, read them because it does change everything after book one. And we've said that quite a bit. But it's good to see just random people, you know, picking up the book. I'm still selling a bunch of Blu-rays at Best Buy every week. I I sell about three or four just to random people. And people are like, no, I just heard it's really good. I'm really interested. Or I saw the 84 one because of COVID, I didn't get a chance to go to the theater and watch it. And when we were talking about box office numbers, let's not forget how well the first movie did. Really, in like not the height of COVID, but still COVID was a big part of what was going on in the world. So these covers are great. Um, I kind of want them to really like super high res images so I can make them my desktop images on my Mac, but yeah, super excited. Yeah. Um, just briefly adding to the excitement. I, so I have not, I'd never caved and got the, the first one <laughs> as much as I loved how it looked. I was like, I'm just not, I'm not going to buy another one. I already have two copies. And, um, and lo and behold, uh, I didn't know that they would be doing um, kind of a trilogy or the, the next couple iterations with the same style and the same artist. Matt Griffin, I believe is his name. He's done some really cool stuff with these uh, that I like a lot. And uh, 
And so I'm glad that I never caved because I am absolutely going to take a dive with the uh, box set, um, especially because I don't own a copy of Children yet. Um, so I, I'm definitely going to want to get that. And then Messiah, I have uh, just the paperback. And I've been, a lot of people, there's been a lot of discussion among like, the Dune fans, like we need a hard, a nice hard uh, cover, like trilogy or the rest of the saga, like just all the same hardcover. And we haven't, to my knowledge, it hasn't really happened um until now at least in like recent years for with these first three so uh i'm really really digging the look of these the color schemes are cool i'm looking forward to seeing the stained pages and the interior art design that he's doing and um the what's under the the dust cover and all that so uh yeah uh the, it, it is a little bit pricey but i will definitely be uh pre-ordering it uh and making sure i have i get that box set next next spring <laughs> And speaking of the the artwork, because uh, as, as mentioned, this is a uh, cover art by Matt Griffin, and it's not only the covers that are that are drawn; these these come with uh, with posters, and the, there are actually full full illustrations inside, like the the book and the in the end papers. Like in in um, the first book, there was uh, art of the sea edge, uh, art of the, the sandworm, and the, the artist has talked about some of the other things that he's uh, was excited to draw about in, in these. And I just love hearing hearing the stories from, from all these artists or, or creatives when they talk about, you know, like he's he's saying, you know, he, he read Dune when he was around 14 years old and it was then his lifelong dream to, uh, you know, illustrate it someday. And now it's decades later and, you know, he's, he's coming back. And this is actually the seventh Dune book that he's uh, he's illustrating because he's done, you know, of course, the first Dune, but then he's also uh, illustrated the covers for for four of the Brian Herbert and Kevin J. Anderson books. So he's uh, he's definitely made his, his dream come true. Maybe it's just the OCD fanboy in me. I like having nice hardcovers that are like the premier editions that I don't touch, I don't read. I, I'll read my paperbacks, destroy them, highlight them, you know. But these are kind of like the holy text, the nice, you know, collector's edition. And what's interesting is a couple of years ago, they redesigned the six main Frank Herbert books. And if you look, there's a box set for the first three books. And later on, when they released all six of them, they created the box set for all six. So who knows, maybe by the time Dune 2 comes out on home release, or maybe two years down the line, we'll get Chapter House, we'll get God Emperor, we'll get Heretics and all that, you know, to conclude the Frank Herbert saga. So only time will tell, but I, I'm, I love bookstores, like, <laughs> and I love going to them. So support your yeah. local bookstore also, not just the big ones. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Messiah, as you two were pointing out, Garen and Simon, um, yeah, I, I hope more and more people will see Messiah on the shelf and read it. And, and uh, let's get those Messiah sales up so that they're ready to green light that third movie, <laughs> because I, I totally agree. I think uh, that is going to be integral. And I think I do think Villeneuve will get his wish. I don't think he's going to have to fight too hard for that. I would be curious to see the sales of Messiah pre-Dune Part 2 and then a good month after to see how it well. It was going up there. It was, it, wow. I remember I put, I did a tweet about it around the time the first movie came out and Dune of course was like number one and was doing really, really well. But Messiah was also right around the top 10. Like I was looking on some of the Amazon lists and things like that. So um, yeah, I think that's bodes well, I think going forward. Then we have a little bit of uh, gaming news. So uh, yeah, we've, we've talked about uh, Dune Spice Wars uh, several times here on, on the show. Um, so of course, in Dune Spice Wars, you can play one of uh, four, uh, four factions, House Atreides, House Harkonnen, uh, you can play the, the Fremen, you can play the Smugglers. Now uh, there's a fifth faction that's, that's coming out. So they haven't announced the exact release date, but we know that the fifth faction is going to be House Kreno. Uh, so Garen, uh, what, what are your thoughts? How excited are you to play the Empire? 
Yeah, um, it'll be interesting. I, I just have to admit again, you guys, I am playing this game a lot. And <laughs> it is it is really, there's a lot of layers to it. It's it's really a well, well-designed game. But, um, and by the way, just as I lead into your, your question, Marcus, um, I have gravitated toward always choosing the Fremen. I, I've just gotten used to their advantages and the the, the special abilities and skills and and the different uh, technology layers that, that you can earn with that with that uh, faction, but it'll be interesting to see if then when you when you play House Carino, if then you have an enormous advantage because if you follow the you know the the power uh, that the Frank Herbert wrote into the books, then then you would have this this endless amount of uh, of uh, solaris and you would have sort of endless resources in many ways um except for spice right so it'll be interesting to see what what that faction is but yeah i i would love to play it and and i i actually have not been able to play um uh multiplayer uh, yet i i just Maybe it's my lack of confidence of going out and getting my butt kicked, but I, I just want to be able to, to go into it with some, some experience. And I, I feel like I'm getting that as I've been playing, uh, playing the Fremen faction, but yeah, I'm excited to know what those advantages are and, and what it would be like to, to play against it, it. This game is really like, it's like chess, but with just endless options and, and variations. And, and, and then it all ties into this world of, of Dune that we, that we love so much. So um, I, I just am really, I'm really liking it. And it's, it's well done. Like it's, it's stable. Um, it doesn't crash on me. And we have a last uh, story for, for today is uh, um, Dune, The Waters of Conley, uh, number three. So like that's the comic miniseries that, that's coming out. Um, it's uh, issue three is coming out this, this week. Uh, Simon, have you been keeping up? So I think we're doing four issues in yeah. this mini series. So we're more than halfway there. Um, I'm sure we'll eventually talk about the whole series because especially with mini series, it's just easier instead of going, oh, well, this happened in issue one and then a month later, people will forget. So we'll just wrap it up and talk all about it. But yeah, I'm enjoying it. Boom, still killing it. Um, I was able to get those nice hard covers of House Atreides for my birthday and amazing job on the production on them um they are not the main you know dune story but they are side stories like this one and garen every time i look at my page of blood of the Savikar on my desk on my wall i think about you um <laughs> I, I wouldn't mind and why is that simon because <laughs> i know you like that artwork and i'm looking at it right now and it looks really nice next to my ninja turtle page um <laughs> Yeah, I just, I love that Boom is putting out more comics. And with San Diego Comic-Con later this month, I'm hoping that we get a couple announcements from Boom, like, hey, we're going to adapt, you know, House Harkonnen or other ones later. And, you know, also, I'm also thinking maybe we'll get more announcements from McFarlane Toys of a second wave of movie toys. You know, that would still keep the word Dune out and keep going. So I'm excited about Comic-Con, especially from Boom, but from other vendors and other companies to see if there will be more Dune announcements. And maybe we'll get something from uh, Lions, not Lionsgate, Legendary and uh, Warner Brothers also about Dune Part 2. Good time to show off a promotional image. 
San Diego Comic-Con, just saying Warner Brothers. Oh, awesome. Yeah, there's a lot going on in the universe of, uh, of Dune, and uh, yeah, we're, we're here for all of it. So uh, let's go ahead and sign off for today. Hey, everyone. Uh, Simon here, Simon Dowdy. You can find me at Dowdy on all the social media. Also, fun fact, one of my favorite bands, Iron Maiden, has a really interesting Dune song. If you look up Dune and Iron Maiden on YouTube, you can listen to the lyrics and see how even metal bands are into Dune. Uh, thank you, everyone, for uh, listening and supporting, as always. Johnny Sobchak. You can find me on Twitter, uh, Letterboxd, Instagram, all that good stuff uh, to keep up with me and my, my movie thoughts uh, and Dune thoughts. A uh, really exciting time. Obviously, things are heating up um and getting spicy so uh hopefully next maybe next next episode fingers crossed maybe we'll have more more casting information more location information um an official image or something like that title treatment um lots of things around the corner i presume with the cameras really getting ready to go crazy in budapest so thanks again for watching and uh stay tuned yeah thanks everyone for for watching and your support this is garen uh dune companion and uh, I am really looking forward to this, to this next few months. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of exciting stuff to talk about. So, so join us. Uh, we love talking about it. And please uh, send us your questions, send us your thoughts. Uh, we we want to engage with fellow Dune fans. So thanks for watching. And this is uh, Marcus Gabriel, Editor-in-Chief at Dune Newsnet. You can find me writing at dunewsnet.com and on Twitter and Instagram at dunewsnet. And uh, speaking of uh, conventions, we'll, we'll have uh, some news to share uh, in the near future. So stay for, tuned for that. Until then, take care. We hope you've enjoyed Dune Talk. Remember to like, subscribe, and turn on notifications so you know when the next episode drops. Stay tuned to dunenewsnet.com and add us to your social feeds. Be the first to hear breaking news and reviews.